some texts just call for an outsider, a hired gun, someone who will be gone by Monday morning, so the pastor Lotzi can deflect all the blame back onto him. So get your complaint cards ready, put the circuit visitor on speed dial, this might sting a little. When you encounter Jesus in today's gospel reading, he's well into the journey began all the way back in chapter 9, when he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Since then, the warnings to the crowds following him, listening to his teaching, have been, well, uh, let's just say, casual visitors don't hang out very long. These aren't seeker-friendly messages. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Do not fear those who can kill the body. Or that they can do, but I warn you, fear him. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to be able, will seek to enter, able. How in the world are there still people following Jesus here in the middle of chapter 14, such that by the time that you arrive at today's gospel reading, St. Luke records great crowds followed him. Christianity could be easy and comfortable. You could have scores of people from all over Columbus joining you here week after week if it weren't for Jesus. Despite what people convince themselves that they are seeking, Jesus doesn't establish an easy, comfortable religion. Isn't that what everyone longs for when they lament the loss of 1950s-style Christianity, where the sitcoms were full of family values and going to church on a Sunday morning was the respectable, popular thing to do? Though many bemoan the loss of cultural Christianity of a couple generations ago, when everyone went to church and membership in a mainline church body was a prerequisite for getting a bank loan or car insurance or nomination for any political office, comfortable Christianity is not creedal Christianity. If it does not threaten your comfortable existence, it is not the religion founded by the one who said, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
Christianity must be countercultural. It never fits in. It is not of this world. Attempts to make the church look trendy and cool are no different from attempts to strip the gospel of the cross. Blessed is the one who's not offended by Jesus, who himself is offensive to all the normal way of things, to the way of your own flesh, to its desire for comfort. And then, turning to these great crowds following him on his slow progression to Jerusalem, Jesus unloads on them the strictest standards yet for what it means to be his disciple. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I searched through all the visitor information on your website, poked around through the bulletin and the welcome materials in the narthex, but I didn't see anything that indicated Grace Lutheran Church charged a membership fee for those desiring to join your robust little congregation. And that's odd, given that that does not seem to align with what Jesus here lays out for his church. Before you sit down in these pews, before you align yourself with this confession of faith, you need to be like a builder who sits down with the Home Depot rep and calculates the full price tag of the project. Or like a general who will not commit his troops to an offensive until he is convinced that he has all the reasonable intel possible. Doubtless, there are many on your membership rolls who are like half-built towers, outnumbered and defeated armies, having given up because they refused to pay the membership dues. So what are those? What is the true cost of being a disciple? You must hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even and especially your own life. This is not hyperbole, not exaggeration. Wait a minute, you might protest. Hate? We know hate is not a family value, you say, but Jesus doesn't get his theology from your bumper stickers. Fear not, Jesus isn't telling you to break the fourth or the fifth commandments. Hate here is not an emotion, but a choice. Given the choice between Jesus and your wife, between Jesus and your children, between Jesus and your parents, between Jesus and your possessions, between Jesus and your freedom, between Jesus and your life, between Jesus and everything, you choose Jesus. Love for God must be absolute. Hate the rest. That's the cost of being here.
of membership. Not in this congregation, but in the Lord's church. It costs everything. Do not think that being a disciple is easy or comfortable. Do not think that you can come to Jesus with one single reservation, with one thing that you would hold on to, refuse to renounce. You cannot be a disciple and set your own terms. You must let Jesus set the terms, and he has. If there is one single thing you are not willing to lose to be a disciple of Jesus, one thing you would save before picking up your own cross, you do not deserve to be here. If you come to him, you must perfectly love him and hate everything else. Otherwise, you cannot be his disciple. You cannot come as you are. You cannot come on your own terms. And since your sinful flesh renders you incapable of loving God perfectly, you simply cannot come to Jesus. Jesus isn't speaking metaphorically when he says that you must take up your cross in order to follow him, some figurative cross that he's imagining. He's headed to a cross, a literal cross, on which he will be brutally tortured until he finally lays down his life and dies. When he says that you must renounce all that you have in order to be his disciple, the only real picture of renouncing everything that fulfills this standard is the picture of him on the cross. There, he has renounced everything, even and especially his own life. For the singular love of man, Jesus renounced everything that he had. He took up the cross. He did what you cannot. The cross is his, not yours. Compared with his love of you, Jesus hated fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. For love of you, he hated his earthly parents. For love of you, he hated the treasures of heaven and his inheritance as the eternal Son of God. For love of you, he willingly took up a cross that he might hate even his own life to lay it down for you. Nothing diluted his perfect love for you. You did not choose him, but he chose you. Discipleship is far too costly. You cannot afford it. Count the cost. You aren't just a little bit short, you're bankrupt. You don't have even one brick to build a tower, one soldier to go into battle. You cannot make yourself a disciple, a Christian. But you can be made one. And in baptism, you have been. Make disciples, Jesus commanded, baptizing them and teaching them. He has. 
so you're here. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Do you not know that all of you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you too might live a new life? His cross is already yours. His perfect will and work, his desires and deeds are yours. In him, you perfectly and completely renounce every false attachment, everything that might distract you from pure and complete faith in him. Here, in his church, is not just a tower, but a fortress. Not just an army, but an army of angels. Count the cost. The cost for your discipleship, for your new life, for your full and free forgiveness has been paid in full. Not with gold or silver, but with the holy, precious blood and the innocent suffering and death of the one who calls you to be his disciple. And now that you are here, you are not your own, but his. Your whole life belongs to Jesus. Faith in Him is the dearest treasure that you have. Nothing you lose in order to continue to follow Him is ever truly a loss. It is gain. Retain His gift of faith, and you have treasure in heaven eternally. An Eden full of eternal riches on the day of your resurrection the eternal Easter of Jesus' kingdom. As certainly as the Lord who took up his cross rose triumphant from the grave, so his disciples, you, will have your crosses lifted, your burdens relieved, your loads lightened when he returns to call you from your graves into the paradise of his renewed creation. You his beloved, treasured disciples, for whom your Lord would hate even his own life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.